Welcome to Between the Lines. I'm Sarah M. Eden here today with Sean Ann Bessie, and we are joined by author Regina Jennings, who I am extremely excited to have here with us. Um, I'm going to give you a little history on my extreme <laughs> fangirl relationship with Regina. Um, the first book of hers I ever read was Holding the Fort, which came out a few years back. I made the glorious mistake of taking it with me to my local uh, rec center where I was working out. I was on the exercise bike reading this book and got to this scene that involved a hero and a horse. That's all I'm going to tell you. I laughed out loud to the point that most of the rec center was concerned for me, but so hilarious. And I knew from that moment on, I had found an author who was an auto buy for me. And that has 100% been true ever since. I finally got to meet her in person at a book festival in Oklahoma a couple of years ago. And she's as wonderful in person as you could hope she would be. So Regina, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I really enjoy (laughs) getting to visit with you every chance I get. We've basically become best friends. That's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> you sent me like clothes. I wear shirts with your name on them. I mean, I'm like a walking billboard for you. <laughs> it's all part of my devious plan. Um, Sean and I today wanted to talk about writing in you know, various historical eras and locations. And when we were talking about who to invite, I knew Regina would be a great choice. Uh, Sean and I like Regina, write historical romance, historical fiction. Um, Sean, where and when are your historicals primarily set? I know they kind of move around, but generally speaking, where do you have yours set? Um, I do have historicals set a little bit all over the place. Um, I go from the 19th century all the way through to the 12th century. Um, My Georgian Gentleman series, of course, is set in the at the end of the 1700s, and I have been working on some medieval books. Uh, The most recent one is the middle of the 1100s, so pretty big span. But almost all of them are in the UK, either in England or Wales. I did foray into Ireland just a tiny bit in this (laughs) most recent one. That's a very scary thing to say in front of Sarah, but... (laughs) Ireland's kind of a jam. (laughs) It is. Ireland is Sarah's thing. Um, I I was once asked to write a novella that was set in Idaho, and that was a complete stretch for me. So I'm much more of a UK historical person. And Regina, where are your historicals primarily set? Well, my books are set in the mid to late 19th century and mostly in the middle of America. Um, So far, I've had series in Missouri and Oklahoma and Texas. Fantastic. And I have books mostly in the 19th century. Some pop back into the 18th, but in the UK and in the American West. So we kind of overlap a little between the three of us, but also there's a lot of difference between, you know, what we write. Um, And so I thought it would be kind of interesting just to hear from everyone a little more about that. Um, Is there a reason why you guys have chosen the eras and locations that you do? Is there something that initially drew you to it? Is there something that keeps you there? Like what, what is it that drew you to that time and place? Well, for me, I think it's my love of my homeland. Um, As many of our listeners know, I grew up in Wales 
And um, and now I live in the U.S. When I initially started writing, this was a way for me to reconnect with my homeland and to share my love of my homeland with my children and with anyone else who read my books. Um, and for me, it's a lot easier to describe a place that I've lived in and that I love, and you're able to share that feeling and share that love of the place with readers. And for me, I'd say the same. I, I love to share my homeland, and even though I never left it, I'm kind of stuck here, I think. But um, just the the unique way of looking at life and the you know, I'll hear some kind of funny little example or someone say some funny phrase. And I'll think, oh, yeah, that is so Oklahoman. That is going in a book. <laughs> and so uh, I, I enjoy and also sharing our history because I am a historical type of gal. I'm kind of an old fashioned person. And so that's why I write the historical things. It's just so, so romantic. You know, I mean, you can write about cowboys 100 years ago, and that's much more romantic to me than writing about the stinky cowboy I know now, you know, so <laughs> I'm sure cow stuff didn't stink back then. So I can, I can. You couldn't have, leather, right? Leather and lavender then, right? <laughs> exactly. They smelled like leather then. Now they smell <laughs> like cow. So, yeah. <laughs> it's so true, though. I think it's one of the reasons we love writing. Um, historical in the locations that we do. So we can kind of romanticize it a little. We can kind of step away from our everyday. And yet, for all of us, we write in locations that we feel a personal connection to. My most immediate family, the last few generations, were all in the American West. So that's where my American-based stories tend to be. My ancestry is essentially all British Isles. You know, we did that ancestry DNA thing you can do where you check that. And every time they fine tune it, more and more gets eliminated. <laughs> I'm at the point where 98% is the British Isles. And I'm like, hmm, maybe that's why I feel drawn to write about it because this is my ancestral homeland and my US based books are my American homeland. So, yeah, I think it's. It's telling that we're drawn to those places that we're familiar with, but time periods that feel more unique to us. Um, and one thing I have enjoyed about Regina's books, I don't know a whole lot about, you know, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, kind of that area of the country. And I feel like I get to learn a little more about it, which is neat. I don't have a personal connection to it, but you feel a connection to it because you're learning about it and you're experiencing it through the eyes of characters who make you laugh hysterically. And <laughs> what better way <laughs> to get to know a place? Um, so, yeah, I think my reasoning is similar. It's a place I feel connected to and a time period that I feel intrigued by. And that's what keeps pulling me back there. I love that. And don't you think too, that one of the challenges that we have as we're sharing this history that we love with other people um, is getting it right. So I'd like to ask what you think some of the challenges of writing in the time period that you write in are. Well, um, I'll start. And my current series, The Joplin Chronicles, I've moved to the turn of the century. And mm. so my other ones were back, you know, 20 or 30 years earlier. And this is a totally new ball game because you have electricity, you have telephones, you have streetcars, but it's not uniform across the country. And it's not uniform even when you go from the city of Joplin, in this case, to a farmhouse. You, your farmhouse would probably still not have indoor plumbing. And yet, your hotel in the city has an elevator and electricity and, and phones. So 
it's really hard to, I mean, you're looking up every little detail. When did the city get electricity? When did they get this or that? And, and then there's some things that seem so weird that they were advanced in this, but not that. That sometimes readers feel like there's a discrepancy and there's not. It's just this community did this earlier than another. So it's a challenge. Sometimes you feel like you could just, it's easier to change the history and write it the way people expect it to be. Yeah. <laughs> to write it the way it really was. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever have that where you think this isn't historically accurate, but people think so I should just. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all it's the so time. And, and yeah, and you you don't know what to say. Cause like, I promise it is historically accurate. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like it is. Yeah. Well, I have, um, I write some books that are set in the Victorian era in, um, in Britain. And I found books could be set just a couple of years apart, but because one's in London and one's in Yorkshire, the setting mm-hmm. is completely different. So yeah, people will look at those and go, wait, your book from the 1860s had all of these advancements. This book's in the 1870s. Why do I feel like I've gone back 50 years? Because you're not in London. So right. yeah, totally true. Right. Yeah, I think one of the challenges writing historical, at least for me, is how long it took for people and things to move around. Um, you can't easily have a character in Scotland in the morning and London in the evening, even if it would really help your story out. Or if you want someone to get a letter in time for something to happen, you realize it has to have been sent way before it would have been. And so that one's tough. You wish people could just pick up their phones and text each other. <laughs> but we write historical, so that's not an option. <laughs> that's true. And I think... Um, I think one of the things that I struggled with too is actually doing the research because with some of the books that I've written that have been really far back there, nothing was written down. And so everything is a little bit sketchy as to as to um, exactly how it was. And so you have to use your imagination and and do more digging than than you do with other er, other eras, I think. And you, you walk a fine line between using language that the people then would have used and using language that your readers can understand. Because if I was to write my books like Chaucer, nobody would buy them. <laughs> <laughs> I was even capable of using that language. But, so it is, it is tricky. Yeah, I've had readers say, oh, I love that your books are written in the language of the, you know, the Regency era. And I, I know what they're saying, but I'm like, oh, they're not. <laughs> if I did, you wouldn't oh, read yeah. them, I promise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you do that too, Regina? Or you kind of sprinkle in the words, but you're like, I'm not going to recreate it. <laughs> right, right. Because you'd basically be writing in dialect also, you know. Yeah. You- if yeah. you really went full out, it wouldn't be what you're used to reading. So Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of us write in multiple um, time periods and locations. I mean, they're kind of similar, but like Regina was saying, she had shifted you know, a couple decades into the future. She you know, moved to a different area. I know Sean crosses the gap of centuries on a regular basis. Because I'm um, a crazy person. I think we can write <laughs> what do you find challenging about either jumping between those things or making a big shift in what you have been writing to a new time and place? Well, for me, I, um, 
my third series was set here in Oklahoma, which is my home state. So you would think that would be very simple. But since I write historical books in the 19th century, Oklahoma was Indian territory. Right. And there weren't there wasn't white settlement until 1889 was the very first white settlement before that, you know, only if you were working with the government or as an agency, or maybe there were some schools run by missionaries. But um, so that window of 1889, so that's why I was able to set some stories at a fort is I had to find right. a reason because I don't write native. It's not my genre. It's not my heritage. So, right. yeah. So, um, so when people are like, why don't you write about your state? It's like, well, my state's <laughs> history is very <laughs> late starting. And then it's, it's a mad race. Literally, if you know about the land runs, a mm-hmm. mad race to, mm-hmm. to be modern. So every, every year there's major changes. So, um, so some of the fun things that are, that are difficult to explain is, for instance, at Fort Reno, they had a roller skating rink at the top floor of the commissary. The cavalrymen would roller skate up there on their off-duty hours. So here they come in on their horses, take them to the stables, and then strap roller skates on their boots and go roller skating. So it's just these weird modern slash primitive situations. You you know, you have Indians in teepees and there's a telephone into the major's office. The telephone only went two miles to the agency. It was the first telephone in Oklahoma. It only went two miles, but it connected the agency to the fort. But when you hear of everyone in, you know, like I said, the Cheyenne and Arapaho are in their teepees and there's wagons and horses. You just, that doesn't seem true. And so, so there are some things about this region that are very unique to anywhere else in the country that, um, and then every different direction you would go from Fort Reno, if you hit a different tribe, they have their own, their own culture and their own language and everything's different. So you can't just say, Native Americans do it like this. Like, no, they're all individuals. So yeah, that's, that makes it tough. I think that can be a challenge when you're writing about a time or a place where there is a convergence of multiple different cultures Mm -hmm. is readers don't always realize what coexisted in terms of technologies and in terms of cultures or who coexisted. And yeah, that can be hard to figure out how to present something that complex. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think that one of the things that I've struggled with, um, as I mentioned before, is when I'm switching different eras, um, the language usage is a big one. Um, I'll go from editing a contemporary to writing a medieval and then to Georgian. And I have to stop and think, nope, I can't use mayhap or perchance in my (laughs) contemporary. And and so language is one. And then just just even their way of life. Um, For example, in the medieval books, when they sat down to dinner, they shared a trencher. They only used a knife. And then you sit down at a regency table and there is so much silverware oh, and, so right. plates <laughs> and so many. And so you've got this huge discrepancy of, um, of what life was like for them. And so just kind of switching in my head, okay, now I'm in this world. Now I'm in this world. That, that's the biggest challenge. Right. That um, is absolutely a difficulty I have too. I'll go from working on, I have a series that is, you know, your quintessential gunslinging wild west kind of series 
And then I have to jump into a Georgian era where they're walking around in their powdered wigs at their fancy balls. And you think, okay, <laughs> well, where am I again? It's like you, it's like having writer's jet lag. You can't, it is. That's you a really great way of describing it. Do you guys ever have trouble with calling characters by the wrong name? Because oh, in your brain yeah. is a book you've oh. I've been thinking about. I editing. actually did it yesterday. And it was because yeah. I have two characters whose names start with the same letter. And so... <laughs> It was, I've done it more than once. I get in trouble in series like that. I had a, a hero's name started with J and a little boy. And then I pulled in a character from another series. His name also started with J. Well, then by the end of the series, the little boy was the hero. And I had three <laughs> former heroes, <laughs> protagonists with the letter J in there. Now, how did I do that? It was bad by the end of it. Cause I hadn't planned all that earlier in the series right. it just happened but suddenly they got new nicknames I guess <laughs> I think I have no one to blame for this but myself <laughs> I know. Oh, no. do you have do y'all ever um have trouble with the interaction since we all write romance when you're changing Sean especially you jumping those you know the interactions between your hero and heroine would be vastly different I would think it's yeah, it's true. Um, what what was protocol? What was allowed? Um, and what was frowned upon? There, especially as we were talking about earlier, the whole communication thing. You know, if you're nowadays, you would text somebody that you were interested in getting to know better. And in the medieval books, most of the time your marriage was arranged, and you would quite often marry someone that you'd never met before you got mm -hmm. to the altar. So you have the whole spectrum of, of interaction. Yeah, that's, that's really true. So given what we've talked about, is there a time or place that you've thought about writing about that you think you might enjoy that you haven't done yet? Um, we mentioned earlier that Ireland is kind of a thing. <laughs> it's where the vast majority <laughs> of my ancestry comes from. I have a deep and abiding interest in it. I would love to jump Um across the you know Irish Sea, as it were, and set a book in Ireland. I have lots set amongst Irish immigrants, but none in Ireland itself. And I would love to do that. I also have in the last few years been really fascinated with the World War I era in Europe. And I think that'd be really fun too. But that's a lot of research and <laughs> I'm a little busy. So we'll see. <laughs> it's true. With all that research, you have to make the series so that it it really is worth all that mm -hmm. research time. Um, I'm like you, Sarah. I would like to. I'd like to spread out a little bit in Europe too. I have. I have set a couple of books in a couple of other European countries, but I haven't done very much. And I think it would be fun to go into France or Germany or some of the other countries over there. I think I would like to do a contemporary just so I can tell my contemporary friends that's so easy. You have no idea what we do. No, no. no maybe I'll find out it's really harder than I think. Right. Maybe they will turn around and say, not as easy as you thought, was it? Oh, okay. I, I'm going to share an experience I had with this. So I had been writing a whole string of historicals. I think I had written five different historicals in a row and I thought okay that's it I'm done with all this research I'm writing a contemporary and I did I wrote a contemporary suspense but in it it involved it's called the gem thief and it involved jewels 
And I got started in this book and realized I knew nothing about <laughs> the jewelry industry. Nothing. <laughs> so I ended up having to go down to the local jewelers. I was there for hours talking about diamonds and how they're weighed and the cut and the clarity. And anyway, it was a total disaster because I ended up doing <laughs> research anyway. <laughs> we can't escape it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> So other than contemporary, is there a different time period or even location you've thought about, Regina? Um, yeah, I might. I, I have some ideas for earlier in the 19th century or maybe Revolutionary War period oh. that would be interesting. But like, you know, all the research, you know, Sarah, oh, when you switch, uh -huh. yeah. switch too far, it's going to be a whole new game. So, Well, if you we'll do see. decide to either go contemporary or Revolutionary War, <laughs> I'm your girl. No, yeah. Not for research, for reading. For reading. Yes. <laughs> I will you enjoy your final two, product. You signed up already. <laughs> well, I want to read that Irish book, so you better get on that. So see, we all have assignments now. That's how, we, that's how we roll around here. Well, Regina, it has been fantastic to have you here Thank with you. us. Thank so um, you. Before we let you go... I know because I follow you in a non-stalkerish way <laughs> that you have a book coming out in just a couple of weeks. Would you, you know, tell us a little bit about that? Yes, it's set in Joplin, Missouri, which is a big mining town, and it's called Proposing Mischief. And it's about a feisty young lady. She gets stuck on her farm because she kind of has a romance with the wrong guy and her family doesn't trust her. So she's... Um, you know, pretty much stuck there for a while. And she goes and she discovers a crystal cave, which there really is a crystal cavern, perhaps the world's largest geode under Joplin, Missouri. Wow. And um, so that was the inspiration, some local history. That's the inspiration for this. But um, in the story, the man who owns that mine that she discovers the cave in is he's trying to hide from society ladies he's a you know eligible bachelor that's chased around and he has no interest whatsoever in marriage and so when this country girl finds this and and the portion of the cave is on her family's farm too the the cavern he he's starting to try to think of what he could do to tie up that cave and take care of his women problems and it might just be that marrying the simple girl who doesn't expect much from him would take care of everything so yeah there's and no sure complications absolutely <laughs> no complications at all sounds like a brilliant plan <laughs> right i love it i've read the first book in this series that came out last year and it was fantastic so i am oh, deeply you. excited about this one um and now before we let all of the listeners go We'd love to know what time periods do you like to read books set in? Do you have a favorite? Do you jump around when you read? We're curious to see if you are as unable to focus on a time period as we are. <laughs> and while you're pondering that, we're going to say thank you for joining us and uh, join us again next time on Between the Lines. Mm -hmm.